sometimes, like my friend Harlan says, you don't know what you don't know. And the reality is that we all were successful trial lawyers. Uh, we were good business people. Welcome to a very special episode of the Game Changing Attorney podcast, recorded live at the Evolve Summit. I'm taking over today's episode featuring our conversation with renowned trucking attorney David Craig, high-profile criminal defense and family law attorney Mark O'Meara, acclaimed plaintiff's attorney Reza Torkzadeh, and esteemed trial attorney John Martin. We had decent businesses going, but all of our businesses got better when we listened to other people who you knew more than I knew about this process. And my God, why not listen to somebody who's done it? I'm Jessica Mogul, head of coaching strategy at Crisp, the nation's number one law firm growth company. Alongside Michael Mogul, we've built this business through practice, not theory. Crisp started with just $500 to Michael's name and has grown to over eight figures in revenue over the last few years, earning a spot on the Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing private companies in America. Our approach has been to take everything we've learned about generating massive growth within our own organization and help the country's most ambitious and committed law firm owners do the same for theirs. In each episode of this podcast, we sit down with innovative market leaders from the legal industry and beyond to learn from those who thrive in the face of adversity, challenge the status quo, and define what it means to be a true game changer. This lineup of incredible leaders join me on stage live at the Evolve Summit to discuss why effective communication will make or break a team's dynamic, why people are a law firm's greatest asset, and how to foster a culture of engagement and accountability. We want to make a positive difference in the lives of our clients, people in the community in which we practice, and in the lives of our employees. And I think it's not negotiable if you don't buy into that. If you're not there for that reason, if you don't want to be held accountable, if you want to sit and moan and groan and you don't want to work and you don't want to put in time and you want to find all the faults and all the problems, then that's not negotiable. You don't need to be in our firm. You need to leave our firm. That's coming up on the Game Changing Attorney podcast. I kicked off the conversation by asking each of our guests what culture means to them. So if you like cooking, whatever, you you have to have that sauce, right? You can always add to it in all different ingredients or whatever. We make a roux if you're down in the South. Culture is sort of the way you start your firm in a way that you want it to be when you're done, right? So if you don't have those ingredients, if you don't have that foundation or that baseline, you can throw in whatever you want, but it's not going to be right. The way I look at it is from culture is what you start with and what you create in the beginning so that when you grow it, it grows properly. Love it. Yes. And David? To me, it's a, it's a group of people that um, are all highly accountable, who are all motivated and, and on the same page that work together to accomplish some amazing things. John? You know, I think culture is really uh, core values in action. Um, you're either putting out fires or you're all moving together in the same direction. And one way or the other, you're going to have culture. It's just as a leader, how do you influence it and how do you manage it? Absolutely. Reza. I agree. I mean, I think um, culture is really everything. And every organization and every company has culture. It just depends on what type of culture you want to have. And I think like it starts at the top. <laughs> and really, you, you get to decide what your core values are and who you are as an organization and how you make those decisions. 
Awesome. Yes. And I know on the last panel too, Craig Greening was talking about how much he uses print, Colby, all of these things for role alignment and hiring. And Dave, I know you've really embraced this with hiring because I feel like every other day you guys are just getting another bundle of them. So could you tell us how you've incorporated these assessments into your hiring? For years, I just got lucky or unlucky. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, you're interviewing people and you're not spending a whole lot of time with them. We spend more time picking a jury we look at the backgrounds. We know everything there is about them before we walk into the courtroom. And then we get to spend time with them. But with, an, with somebody for a job, who's interviewing for a job, we spend very little time with them. And so sometimes they, they are really good at sales. And so until I started working with Chris, I had no idea how to go about doing it. Now we do Colby testing and we do print scores and we're growing and we are adding so many new people, but great people. You know, we've taken the guesswork out of it. And we've figured out what scores work, what type of job responsibilities, how to communicate with each other. And uh, I'm excited about it. And, and we are so much better today because we know not only what are the qualifications, how do they fit, what kind of Colby scores they are, but also how to communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. And you actually have a great story about how you went back to two of your paralegals who were no longer even with the firm. Can you tell us about yeah. that? One of them is a successful attorney. She's super smart and she was a great paralegal. She worked with me a multi-million dollar case and she was just awesome. And I thought, well, is it because she's really smart? Or... And so I went, she's now working with some giant firm and I called her and said, this is a weird request, but would you take this <laughs> test for me? And she said, yeah. And so then we took another test from another great paralegal. And what we found out was their Colby scores were very similar. And so then we started looking at everybody and I looked at some of the ones that hadn't been so good or some of the ones I had who weren't as good. And that doesn't mean they couldn't do the job. They just had to work around it or they may not be as happy doing it for a long term. And so we found that certain Kobe scores fit and we've been hiring with that in mind. And every job is different. You know, obviously different jobs take different skill sets, but it was eye opening to me to say, okay, guys, if we want somebody to run a file, for example, and be in charge of a file, and all that means in our firm, that they need to have a, the first two fact-finding and follow-through, they need to be a six through an eight. Yeah. You know, and I didn't know that, and I was interviewing people, and how would you know that? But the Colby <laughs> score gave it to us, and then the print scores have helped us figure out how to communicate with those people, and what is what, what makes it, what's important to them. Right, right. Oh, I love that. And I know also, Reza, you were in one of the videos. So I want to hear about when you've experienced cultural misalignment at the firm and what impact has that had and how'd you change that? Completely. And and so, you know, there was a point where we were just looking for warm bodies. You know, we were scaling so quickly. And here was our, our hiring process. Put an ad up on wherever, <laughs> get the resumes, well, the resume looks good. Come in for an interview. You interview somebody for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. They all sound great because they're lying. <laughs> and then you hire them. And three months into it, you realize, oh, this person is awful or they're toxic or they're completely contrary to what was sold. And so there came a point, and I've told this story so many times, but <laughs> we lost more than half of our staff in one day. And it was to a point where literally I, I was like, forget it. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, we built this practice, we're growing, we're scaling, everything is great, except all the drama, all the BS, all the stuff that, you know, none of us need to deal with or should deal with. And so we lost more than half our staff. And so now we really got intentional about culture and what it means and hiring. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very difficult now to get through the process, but by the time a candidate gets through the process, we know all about them. It's not 100% guaranteed right. that it's, it's going to work out, but it is so much better than what we had before. And now we're attracting 
better talent, attracting top talent, people who are motivated, encouraged, and who want to be part of something great that we're building. And that has made all the difference in the world. Absolutely. Yes, I know. It's It's not easy to get a job when you go through this hiring process. Um, and then I know, Mark, you have a binder. So I would love you to tell everyone about this binder and how it has so, changed your firm. So uh, yeah, a couple of things. First of all, what Christmas sort of showed us was that Colby and Print was what I didn't know I didn't know, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, the way that I look at it is I do the CLE where I teach lawyers how to pick a jury, right? And I say to lawyers, you know, if you're not picking a jury using social media, then you're committing malpractice. Well, to me, Print and Colby is now the social media for me picking an employee, right? Because if I either has to follow my gut or conflict with my gut. So what you were talking about, though, I have sort of weaponized Colby (laughs) and Print because I have everybody's Colby and Print in a book next to me on my desk. And um, if I see concerns that I'm having with, you know, because I'm, I'm a 5294, which means now, 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 get it done. Um, so, but what I have that either I can use it to help myself with the staff, knowing that they're all not me, which is frustrating, but the reality. <laughs> and, um, but also to, to make sure that the other people know who they're dealing with. And to me, it's sort of like, you know, having the legend on a map. You don't know where you're going without the legend, like how is an inch a mile or a hundred miles or whatever it is. And that's what those two metrics are, is they give us the insight as to how to get where we're going in a way that makes sense. And more than anything else, does away with the unnecessary conflict, because that conflict that comes from just not knowing to use other people's strengths. Yeah. And I know it was half joking when it's like, oh, I'm frustrated. Everyone's not like me. But how has it helped you with more like patience and communication? Well, a great deal, because, you know, I was only half joking when I said they're all not me. <laughs> um, you know, you get used to seeing the universe through your own eyes, right? And I am a major quick start, which means I don't need a lot of patting on the back, but let's get it done. Let's move forward. But what I realized is that all that means is that through that prism, which is not always accurate, I'm not allowing the other people to shine as well as they can and also not allowing their energy to be as well used so that right. somebody who is more of a fact finder, who I absolutely need in my life, I'm not using those talents. So basically what it allows me to do is to more holistically use the firm for all of its benefits. Because, and Michael said this, you know, what you're doing then is you're taking everybody's quality. You're you're taking the best. I think um, Alex Shinara said it. You're taking the best of those people around you, in this case, in the firm, and using all of those high points of their qualities, avoiding the negatives or dealing with those negatives and doing it in a way that makes for a much better firm. And like you say, where it's a much better culture because you're going to have a culture no matter what, but it may be a bad culture if you're not the one creating it. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, John, you guys have had massive growth (laughs) and a very, very crazy time, Pearly. But what have you done to preserve the culture as you guys have grown and scaled so quickly? Well, you know, a lot of these people I'd never met in person and they'd worked yeah. with us for months as we were growing. So we started with five lawyers and now we're at 11. All of them were added through COVID. And one of the main things for culture has been print and been these alignment trainings with our coach because even a lawyer that I've worked with for about 10 years, when I became a partner at our firm, I developed this KPI and incentive system with my partner that would have been like perfect for me. If that existed... <laughs> I probably would have made another million dollars, maybe more. (laughs) And so I I brought this to him and I was like, so excited. This is going to be amazing. And nothing happened. 
And he wasn't excited. So when we went through the print training, he kind of made a a biting joke towards me. And he's like, I'd love to get some clear direction from John every now and then. And I looked at his print and I realized that the type of autonomy that I want is frustrating to him. Mm -hmm. He wanted to have systems in place. He wanted to be what I would consider micromanaged. So basically, I just said to him, you know, I screwed this up. Mm-hmm. I've never been a manager before. It looks like you need something different. Do you want to develop that? So now this guy is doing the crisp experience. He's mm-hmm. developing all of our systems. He's one of our top producers this year. So it's great for hiring, but it's also good for maintaining culture and getting the best performance out of people who've been around for a long time. Yeah, because it's you don't know. And everyone's motivated by different things. So, I mean, Dave, have you used print in ways of making sure that people are being motivated in the right ways? I never thought, you know, uh, people were so different. And I always kind of looked at things from my perspective. It's like, okay. And I had an attorney once tell me, he's like, not everybody wants to be like you. Not always want to work all the time. You know? I'm like, why? Why wouldn't why you want to do that? <laughs> yeah, why is that? And so one of my attorneys, her and I were talking, and she is one of my best, I mean, she is instrumental and key to our firm. And her and I were talking, and we were getting kind of heated. And it was kind of funny. We both said, well, let's go back and look at each other's print scores. And we actually, honest to God, we went back and looked at it. And the next day, we're like, Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I really do appreciate you, right. even though I don't. And, and so it is true that all of us need to communicate with each other in an effective manner. And if we're not, we're wasting our breath and our time. I like things a certain way. I'm a quick start. I, I don't really want to spend a lot of time. I don't need pat on the back. I just want to go, go, go. Yes. But you need people around you who compliment you. And, and just like you and Michael, you guys compliment each other, and my wife and I do, and I have Suzanne. I have a great team of people who compliment me, but we have to learn to talk to each other. And sometimes, even with the print scores, we forget. Of course, And yes. you go back and you look and say, <laughs> oh, yeah, this is how I should be talking to this person. Always go back to the print. I always go back to the trigger page. And I'm like, has this person been triggered? Why <laughs> yeah. have they been triggered? Let's undo this. <laughs> but it's true. Even on our calls, when I get on the phone with Dave, because I'm like, he's a 3-8. I'm like, he just wants to get to the point and get this over with. It's not that he doesn't want to. There's no small talk. <laughs> We're just going to get it over with. Um, so what are some initiatives, Reza, too, as you... You guys have a big focus on culture. Anything that you've done to kind of maintain that culture? I know you guys have a big social media presence, things like that. We do. I mean, the one thing that I think all of us can agree on is our greatest asset are our people, mm-hmm. right? Our firm wouldn't be where we are today if it wasn't for the incredible people that we have who are really dedicated and committed to this vision and and our why. I know the last panel talked about our why, but our why is we get to change people's lives every day. And our team and the folks that are on our team right now truly believe that they buy into that. So whether it's our receptionist Mm -hmm. or whether it's our senior managing attorney, they know that their work every single day changes lives. And that keeps everybody engaged. And when we're out in the community, we have a lot of community outreach initiatives. We're giving away masks. We're Mm -hmm. out in the community doing events and giving back. They want to be a part of that. You know, and they're and they're really proud to be a part of a team that it's not BS. When we say we care about people, you know, it's it's true. It's genuine. It's authentic. Yes, absolutely. And I I always presented to team members, too, especially with the assessments, like we're making an investment in you. And I even tell candidates that even if we don't hire you, please use this for something better. That's going to be better suited for you. But in terms of really the assessments, and I told everyone I'm a five, so I am the most skeptical of skeptics. But um, 
Mark, we'll start with you. What was your first thought when you took these? You even told us you were skeptical at once. <laughs> no, absolutely, because I thought I already knew it. You yeah. know, don't worry about it. I will just follow my gut. It's always worked for me in the past. I didn't know how to do it. But I will tell you, and again, what you don't know, you don't know yet. Right. What was amazing to me was the insight that using these metrics really gave me. Because here's the, here's the underbelly of it. Not having those possibilities, not looking at it and realizing what's going on. I kept, and I can, yeah, I can go through and top of my mind, three or four people who I know I kept on the firm longer than I should have. That had an absolute negative impact on the firm because of a couple of stupid reasons. You know, either I didn't want to have that conflict or I had them there. I've already made an investment into them. And what I didn't realize, had I had those metrics to begin with, those people would never have been in the firm, probably. And then I never would have spent the enormous amount of time, energy, even worse, negative energy from taking away from those staff members who I should have been focusing on the positivity of. So what I see of it is that it's just such a great opportunity to have that foundation, to have that basis to work from, so that at least you know what's going on, either deal with it, or as, as you said to me at one time, give them the opportunity to work elsewhere. <laughs> yes, free up the future. Yes, free up the future. <laughs> um, Dave, what were your first thoughts when you took these assessments? You know, the funny thing is when I first thought of Chris, you know, I thought, man, they do great videos and that's why I want to be part of Chris X. Right. And I was so wrong. I mean, they, they do do great videos. But the part that has changed my firm the most has really been a lot of what you do. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really has been enlightening us on, on the print scores and the test scores and hiring slower and firing quicker. I mean, because mm -hmm. you're always going to have some people who cause a lot of drama who aren't there. You need to get rid of those folks. You know, if they're not going to buy in, that's fine. They can go somewhere else. But hiring the right people and getting great assets and building that culture of everybody buying in and wanting to be accountable. And, and I didn't, I honest to God just thought, I, I mean, I remember when Michael talking about, so I'm like, yeah. Okay. So talk about the videos again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then now I see the changes and I see the accountability. I see us hiring better. I see us, you know, holding people, the KPIs, you know, and I, and I just love all of this and I'm a firm believer. And I, now I pay a lot of attention. I still like the videos, <laughs> right. but I pay a lot more attention to what you're telling me. <laughs> Sorry, Michael. <laughs> Everyone got that, right? <laughs> Um, John, what was your first thought when you got your assessment? Yeah, you know, I thought it was like kind of Skittles and rainbows and like, <laughs> you know, no test is going to tell me what my gut can't tell me. But what's really amazing though is that, so, so you always want to avoid toxic people, of course, and, and every now and then you'll have a problem. But when you have real legal talent or administrative talent, um, there's a, what did Michael say? One lawyer for every 250 people, even more of a saturation for talent, you know? So when these people choose us to work with us to build their college funds, to build their lives, uh, it's worth it to invest in them, to invest in making sure that they're in the right role, that they're coming to the right place for the right reasons, and then to set up systems around them that'll allow them to achieve. You can't have people out rainmaking and making raving clients if they're not raving about their work. If they don't love their work, their clients aren't going to love the service they provide. It's become one of the most empowering things that we've done, for sure. I love it. Yes. And when you were talking about motivating people, so three of you actually have an eight up here. So the strong and self-reliant, you probably go about motivating people in a way that might not always motivate them. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's good to know that though, because sometimes it's like, 
Michael, he leads with an eight too. And he'll just be like, I didn't mean it any certain way, but people might take it a certain way. So, but yeah, Reza, what was your first thought when you took these? Well, I think I share all of their, their sentiments. <laughs> the one thing that's really incredible is every time one of our team members takes the test, the first message I get is it's spot on. Mm-hmm. Then they want to see my score, <laughs> right? Uh, how do I communicate? How do I talk to you? So I think not to misrepresent anything. Our firm is not perfect. Um, I think we can do better. I think inch by inch, you know, we get better, but it has really helped us improve on things that we didn't even know that we needed improving on. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been an incredible transformation for sure. Yeah. And with like bringing on new hires or things like that, I know for us, if they're working closely with Michael or closely with me, we literally hand them like, here's the print and the Colby. (laughs) This is what you need to know about these people. So, I mean, John, when you bring on someone again, you guys have grown so quickly. How do you introduce this concept of print and Colby to them? So we actually do an initial round of interviews before the Colby and print. Mm -hmm. And we particularly look for people who are going to like poo-poo it. Right. We don't, we don't (laughs) invest in those, Uh, even though I poo-pooed it, but whatever. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so we kind of go through it with them, tell them how important it is. And then we all sit around with uh, the scores and we think about the role, kind of like you were saying, and figure out, all right, we really need somebody who's high on follow through Mm -hmm. here because my follow through is incredibly low. I'm never going to create a system. I'm going to adapt no matter what's going on. I'm the last person who should be creating systems. So we actually hired people to create systems for me. I'm a part owner, but my partner's a little follow through too. So we introduce it to them right from the interview process and all the way through. And we've had the Colby training, I think three times now. Mm -hmm. So some people have been through it three times. The new people have been through it once, but everybody goes through it because it's just such a fun experience. Oh yeah. And it's so important for the future meetings. Of course. And I think one thing too, when people hear about all these things are like, gosh, this seems like so much work, or this seems like, you know, I have to put someone through this hiring process. And so when you think about it on your end, you know, one, how much work is it actually for you? And then also how can you delegate some of these things? So Mark, like you said, you're all quick start. Um, (laughs) And your seven print is also going to see a lot of positivity in a lot of things. Absolutely. Yes. And I've got really good people on staff who are supposed to take care of the systems and all of that. And that is great. What I find it sort of does is a couple of things. One, it does away with some of the static, like, you know, a radio station you're trying to listen to. It takes away some of that. But even more importantly, it, it gives all of the staff the opportunity to not blame the person or the personality, or it's your fault, or it's your fault, or why didn't you do it this way? It really is. You get to look and say, okay, this is who you are, and now let's work with that. So if I'm sitting back saying, I need you to do it this way, and I can't say the same way to you, I know how to sort of customize it. And also, there's a separation between it's your fault because you didn't do it the way I wanted you to, or I've got to present it to you more this way because this is more consistent with who you are. And it just, it makes so much more sense when you look at it that way. Absolutely. Yes. And, and leaning on the strengths of things. And so I know Dave, you were talking about how you've got people around you who have the fact finder, the follow through and things. And so how have you kind of delegated this or given them empowered them to use these assessments? I've changed people's positions. You know, I had people who were successful. Ashley, I mean, she's she's super smart. She could do any job and she could work around, but she wouldn't be happy right. long-term. And so you look at those things and we talk to each other and then we put her in a different position. And she loves what she's doing. And our firm is so much better because of that. Suzanne, she has scores that are great that she shouldn't be a file manager. 
mm-hmm. but she should be something else. And so she's taking, stepping up and doing additional roles. And so it's, it's, it's helped us communicate with each other and say, hey, look, just because I put you, hired you as this paralegal doesn't mean you have to stay there. Let's look at your scores and figure out what is in the best use of your talent so that you're going to be happy and you're going to stay with us for a long period of time. Now, sometimes it takes us a while to figure that out right? because we're not, I'm not that fast. I've got other stuff going on. It's exciting because we have key players who are going to now play key roles because of who they are. Yeah, exactly. And I love the motivation factor of all of that as well. It was uh, Craig who was on earlier. He was actually telling me with communication and motivating their teams, he didn't know someone had a two to be needed and appreciated. So he was never recognizing every time that she won or every time she went to court or anything. And then he literally just started doing that and her output doubled. So it's one of those things in terms of knowing, you know, at the core, what is this person really, what drives them? And so even when you think about your culture as a whole, what would you say, Reza, is a non-negotiable for your firm? Being able to live up to, you know, what is expected, you know, having a standard. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our firm, we have standards. It's expected of you. And, you know, being a team player, really yeah. being a team player. And, um, you know, I think with, with some of the tests and the assessments, you're really given insight into people. And I, I agree, Dave, I, I think it allows us to say, okay, this person has great scores. This is a good person. They believe in our core values. Mm-hmm. They're in the wrong role. So instead of letting go of somebody who's got raw talent, who is just super ambitious is a great person, Mm -hmm. you can find places for them. And I love that you say that because I think sometimes people think when they take it on the front end, I do tell people there's no right or wrong answer. It's just going to be where I might put you is a different place. (laughs) I would say a third of our team probably applied for a different position than what they're in now. So um, John, what is a non-negotiable for you and your culture? You know, I think um, I love what I'm hearing because we've done that too. We've transitioned people based on their scores and they're so much more successful. And I think that that's probably the non-negotiable is that we're going to work in smaller teams and as a larger team. But the the non-negotiable about that is that we're always going to try to find a way with people. Mm-hmm. We're going to invest in them, accept that they're human. They may be going through life things and, and put them in the right role. So I'm kind of filibustering to think of a real non-negotiable. <laughs> I guess it's that... That in order to be accountable, we have to accept the fact that if our team's not necessarily performing the way that we want them to, it might be because of a failure on my part Mm -hmm. or my partner's part. Uh, And I guess that would be the non-negotiable is that as a team, we're going to find a way to make this work, you know, stay in happiness or go in peace. Our girl, Cy Wakeman. Yes. (laughs) All right, Dave, what is a non-negotiable for your culture? We want to make a positive difference in the lives of our clients people in the community in which we practice and in the lives of our employees. And I think it's non-negotiable if you don't buy into that. If, if, you don't, if you're not there for that reason, if you don't want to be held accountable, if you want to sit and moan and groan and you don't want to work and you don't want to put in time and you want to find all the faults and all the problems, then that's not negotiable. You don't need to be in our firm. You need to leave our firm. Uh, we want the right people. I don't, you know, and, and the interesting thing is, is I would fail at most of the jobs within my firm. I mean, thank God I have my job because I don't know what else I would do. I, this is what I need to do. And so I think an appreciation of all the different roles and, and the scores and knowing what people are good at and all of that. But if they don't have a positive attitude and they don't buy in and they're not there for that reason, they're just there for a paycheck then they need to go somewhere else. And that's yeah. non-negotiable to me. And I'm not always the fastest to move on that, Yeah. Uh, but I'm getting better because of cr- 
nervous. <laughs> so, so all those people that I may have let go in the past, Blame it's their fault. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and Mark, what is a non-negotiable for your firm? Personal integrity and then team integrity. And personal integrity means, you know, we really do take on people's lives, whether it's a, a PI case or a civil rights case or criminal work I do. If we don't take it on well and take it on right, people can go to jail when maybe they shouldn't. So you have to have that personal integrity that you come to, that you're really going to try your best or like you say, free up your future. And the team integrity is we have a very stressful practice. It's a, a heavy end litigation practice, which means you have to come with your A game and nobody comes with their A game every day. Day, that's where you have the team. And if there's conflict or friction between the team, that's sort of what I consider a lack of team integrity. And that's the friction that'll weigh you down. You know, that, that's the stuff that will hurt the firm and the clientele. And we don't have a luxury of not doing our best. You know, like a surgeon can't walk in there with a rusty scalpel. Right. We have to be our A game when we're taking people's lives in our hands. Absolutely. Yes. And as we come to a close kind of on this, I would love to hear if you put yourselves in someone's shoes who this is their first time hearing about print. This is their first time hearing about these assessments. They are skeptical. Reza, what do you tell these people? Well, if you've ever hired people, if you've ever fired people, <laughs> do yourself a favor if you're a firm owner or leading a firm and take the test yourself. Yeah. And, and I think, again, it's transformed our practice. It's transformed the way we do things and give it a shot. I mean, you've got uh, really nothing to lose. Yeah, that's great. Awesome, John. Yeah. So I'll just share a quick story. I went, went to my first CRISP summit in 2019 mm -hmm. and Ted talked about the, uh, the tax strategies. And I went out to get a coffee because I didn't have an income that required tax <laughs> strategies. Now, after two years with Crisp, I was writing notes like crazy. Right, right. You know, <laughs> our firm has exploded. So if you want to care about the tax strategy guy, you know, take a risk. Be willing to try something. I love that. Awesome. Dave. What's the harm in trying? Yeah. You know, it's, it's not like somebody's, you know, hurting you, you know, <laughs> you may just be wrong. And, and sometimes like my friend Harlan says, you don't know what you don't know. And the reality is that we all were successful trial lawyers. Uh, we were good, you know, good business people. We had decent businesses going, but all of our businesses got better when we listened to yeah. other people who you knew more than I knew about this process. Mm -hmm. And my God, why not listen to somebody who's done it? And all you have to do is look around and you can tell how successful you are and your company is. And so you say, hey, look, let's listen to those people. Let's try it. Right. And what do you have to lose? Yeah, I love it. And Mark? It's like, since we're lawyers, it's like not keeping up with a case law. Right. We didn't know, you know, they used to be the books, then they were the discs. Now they're on their iPhone. <laughs> it's keeping up with the technology that exists today to be the best person you can be. Print and Kobe didn't exist in my world two or three years ago. And I suffered because of it. I didn't know I was suffering, but I did. Right. The firm did because I, I had things happening that I didn't even know why. Now you have these opportunities, these these tools to not use them would be like to not use the most recent case law when you're arguing a point. You're going to screw it up because somebody <laughs> else is going to have the better case law or whatever, and you're not using the best ability that you can to make the best firm. I work weekends till I work on the nighttime, right, to make the best firm. This is just one of those tools that, or a couple of them, that allow you to have a much better firm, much better staff, much more, much less friction, and therefore you can be better quality. I want to give a huge thank you to all four members of our Game Changing Culture panel for sharing their valuable insights with us at the Evolve Summit. 
You know, what particularly resonated with me was when Reza said that our greatest assets are our people and that no firm would experience any growth without the buy-in and dedication of each and every employee. You've been listening to the Game Changing Attorney Podcast with me, Jessica Mogul. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you could share it with one ambitious law firm owner you think would benefit. And you know what? Maybe more than one. For more information on the panel, see the show notes for this episode in your podcast app or visit gamechangingattorney.com. And join us next time when Michael will be sitting back down with Hall of Fame trial attorney and senior partner at Levin Papantonio, Mike Papantonio. If you can't walk into a room and have a thousand people around you and every one of them disagrees with you, everybody thinks what you're saying is ridiculous, it's nonsense, and you know you're on the right side. If you can't play that mission out, then you're never going to be a real trial or it's got, it's got to be real, man. You've got to have a real commitment to wanting to help consumers. That's next time on the Game Changing Attorney Podcast. Thank you.